You're listening to Kiss My Aesthetic, your go-to podcast for bragworthy branding, marketing, and entrepreneurship advice. I'm your host, Michelle Winterstein of MKW Creative Co. Let's dive into the episode. Greetings and welcome back to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I'm so excited to have fellow brand designer and one concept method fanatic, Haley, on the podcast. Welcome (laughs) to the podcast. Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Likewise. I think that we have been following each other on social for so long. I don't even know how long at this point, but definitely like height of the pandemic years, right? Yeah. With TikTok. And I am obsessed with your style. I think that you're so freaking talented. And so I was so excited that you agreed to come on the podcast. So this is such a a fun moment for us. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Likewise. I know I love everything that you're doing. So I'm excited to be here. Oh, very cool. Yay. And I think you're just barely my neighbor to the North. I'm down in San Diego. Yeah, I'm in Carpinteria, which is like a tiny little beach town south of Santa Barbara. So just a little bit north of you. Love it. So for anyone who doesn't know you and doesn't follow you yet, can you tell us who you are and what you do and who you help? Yeah. So I'm Haley Fetters. Um, And pronouns are she, her. I am the founder of Studio Seaside. And we help online businesses with branding and web design, primarily Squarespace and Shopify. And then more recently, I have been helping um, fellow brand designers with streamlining their branding process and implementing the one concept method into their process. And so, yeah, I'm excited to be here and chat more about all those things. All the fun, nitty gritty designer stuff, all the stuff that I feel like you maybe don't learn in school. Can you take us back to kind of how you got started and did you study graphic design in, in school? Yeah, I did. I studied graphic design in San Francisco at San Francisco state. And the year that I graduated, I also got pregnant. Um, so I was pregnant and job hunting and that was proved to be kind of difficult. I did land a job. And then once I told them I was pregnant, they decided not to hire me, um, which is super illegal, but I didn't know that at the time. And so I kind of accepted defeat and decided to start a design blog because I didn't really want, I didn't want to give up. I wanted to use my degree and stay productive and kind of keep learning design and build my portfolio. And that design blog kind of snowballed into people asking me to design things for them. And then from there, I ended up, you know, after my baby was old enough, got a kind of part-time job and then worked on the side with graphic design. And eventually after my second child was born, I took it full-time and built my studio into what it is today. So it's been kind of a slow growth, which I'm totally fine with. And I always tell designers to, to... be okay with going slow. Like it doesn't have to happen overnight. And yeah, I don't think I would change the journey that that I have been on, even though it was a lot of ups and downs, (laughs) but yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's the same with me. I started in 2014. So this is like year nine. So as anyone that's looking at my stuff today and trying to compare it to their year one, I have to remind them like, no, 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 no. Like it took a long time to get here. Yeah, absolutely. I know. And that's, I mean, there are things that I wish that I knew sooner and that's Mm. why I love to help fellow designers. Cause like there are things that I'm think like, wow, if I knew this sooner then I would have been able to get from, from A to B a little bit quicker or start raising my rates sooner. Cause I was severely undercharging for so long. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I do, that's like where the passion for helping fellow designers comes from is providing as much information that I wish that I knew when starting out that Same. they don't teach you in design school because they prepare you for 
like getting stuff print ready, but they don't prepare you for creating your portfolio or interviewing for a job or um, being a freelance designer. And there's so much work that goes into that that you don't learn in school. So. And the space has changed so much since we started. Like, mm-hmm. thank goodness for the internet, right? But I, I joke with my parents all the time because my mom has her own business, my grandmother, my great-grandmother, they all owned their own businesses. And it's wild that just even in a few generations, like the access to information has grown so vastly. You know what I mean? And I, like you, I learned so much about business just from following people that I thought were inspiring and learning from them on the internet for free. So it does kind of feel this like pay it forward kind of energy. I feel like you have that a lot with, with your account and with your socials is really sharing with people like, no, this is how this comes together. This is how this got made. Have you always been like that? Or were you shy about kind of pulling back the curtain in the beginning? Um, no, I think I've kind of always been like that. I think in the beginning I used it as Oh, tool to honestly, like almost teach myself, like, cause mm. my design blog, that's kind of how I started. And it was like me just kind of, it was like the early days of blogging when I don't think anybody really even read my blog, but um, <laughs> <laughs> like I'd probably be horrified to go back and look and see what it was. Um, but it was really just me using it as a tool to like teach myself uh, and just like put content out kind of. So I'd be like, this is a logo that I did. And I, this is my process through it. So I've always just kind of put content out there. And then as I started to have my own freelance design business, I realized how powerful blogging was for SEO. So I used that as a tool to educate like my ideal client about, you know, why they should hire a graphic designer for their business. And, and so using it as, a tool that way. And then, so it just kind of naturally progressed to be like, okay, this is transition to helping fellow designers, um, and in like an educational way. But like you said, like, I think there's such a difference between the online business world and like brick and mortar stores where online businesses, um, do you can, you can learn anything online. And I think that there is like that tendency to share more education and connect with fellow, business owners that way. And so naturally that's just kind of like the content that I put out is more educational that sense. Let's talk a little bit to the client side. If you could describe on the whole, like what kind of clients that you work for and what your style is, like what's your differentiation factor? Um, how do you kind of describe that with, within everything that you've like learned and grown over the last almost decade, right? Like it's been, yeah. been at it a while, it's just like while. me. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while. Because I've got to imagine your styles also change. Like, I, I just know from my experience, like when I was first designing things, I was so shy to put my name on it because I didn't want anyone to know that it was me because I was insecure about being so young. Like, I felt like I hacked my way into like people paying me money. And so mm-hmm. I never wanted my name on anything. And if people saw it and they said, oh my gosh, this is so good. Did you do that? I'm like, yeah, maybe. Like, it was all like coy. <laughs> yeah. Because I well, thought that was the biggest like compliment. <laughs> yeah. Totally, totally, totally. But there's some things I look back on in my, like, I've dug up my old Basecamp folder the other day and like found old projects. And I was like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Do oh, you have God. that with some of your oh, beginning work? Absolutely. Words? Like, so much. Like, I, I looked back at the first logo I ever got paid to design and it was like horrific. But, I was so ecstatic to be paid for my design, you know, and 
they got what they paid for. <laughs> yeah. But budget wise. <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. I look back and I'm like, but that's part of the journey, right? Like no one's going to come totally. out of design school or their first year of design, like producing these amazing work, like, and, and your style evolves over time. So yeah, like client facing wise, currently now, um, we say that we help creative online brands. Um, and then unofficially we lean towards more like travel brands. So I live in kind of a touristy town. So we do have a lot of Airbnbs, like boutique hotels, um, hospitality, um, and I really enjoy that. And so we try to uh, portray that through like our aesthetic on our website and um, on social media. But that's not to say that we don't do like e-commerce builds or people who come along sure. that that need stuff. Um, and then as far as style, like we do really try to keep it pretty timeless and like trends are fun, but they go out of style. So we do like to try to um, lead clients in a direction of a brand that will withstand any trends. And then... I don't think I'm like super minimal, but you probably would maybe describe my work that way. <laughs> oh, well, so, because yeah. I, my style is way over the top. Sometimes <laughs> I look at your stuff. I'm like, man, it's so clean. <laughs> sometimes yeah. I feel like there's also a difference between a designer that gravitate towards um, like serif fonts. Mm -hmm. And I, I just like serifs and I do just, we just do not get along. That doesn't mean I can't do it. Uh -huh. I just don't have, I feel like sometimes with my design style, I don't have a good enough grip of how serifs like actually function for brands because I always run into the issue of it being too thin. Mm, yeah. Do you have mm -hmm. this problem? Like I have such a, I'm not a typography, like super strong typography based because I'm a fine arts and art history major. Like I didn't study design. I didn't learn graphic design, the inner workings. Like I luckily have some designers on my team now that have like master's degrees in graphic design. Uh -huh. and I'm like <laughs> I've never learned any of this. So um, it's interesting because I think that it's funny, like which styles people gravitate towards, but yeah, like on the spectrum of yours and mine, like, I think you're definitely, you have a much more refined minimalism. I tend to go a little overboard with like, every color of the rainbow. <laughs> yeah. But I love that. Honestly, I, I look at like designers that can do like more maximalism stuff and I'm like, sure. I love it. Like, I feel like I can't do it, you know, huh, because I, interesting. I, I, and I don't know if it's part of like my, I have my like design professor in my mind being like, take away every possible thing that you can until really? it like works, you know, like ah. always like refine, refine, refine. Like what can you remove to still have it work? Um, okay. and I think I, I'm always have that. That's kind of my like thinking in design. Sure. But I feel like there is like a, a draw towards more maximalism, even just like coming, we're going that way and I love it. And I wish that I, um, was better at it. <laughs> but that's just how I, this is where I'm at. Oh my gosh. It's constantly evolving. Well, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's a pendulum, right? And I think like mm -hmm. we've been at it long enough to see that things, things come in and out of style, but there's having a brand that really works. And a lot of our process is about finding, like rooting it in a lot of history and rooting it in a lot of um, like context, geographical context of how, what makes sense for this place and space and time so that, that you get that timeless. So even if it does look over the top and super colorful and lots of patterns and assets and, and like fun flings to it, that it has, it still has a timeless element. Um, but there's really a big difference here in what we're talking about, the difference between a logo and a brand. You are a big fan of the one concept method. I made a video about the one concept method yesterday that got 
way more response than I was anticipating because <laughs> I was showing how when I was a baby designer and someone was paying me $800 for a logo, I started by giving them 16 options. And then yeah. we narrowed down to eight and then we narrowed down to two and then uh-huh. we played with color. And like, yeah. I don't know why I thought to do it that way other than I, I wanted to make sure that they felt like they were getting their money's worth. I think that that was like the biggest thing. And that if I only showed them one idea, that somehow that wasn't worth it. But man, once I switched over to one concept method, like my whole world changed, changed. So I'm wondering yeah. what your path was with that and how you kind of describe it to clients as like a value add instead of a, well, you're only giving me one idea. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, to your point about like, you didn't know why you gave so many options. I think as new designers, we lack the confidence to be able to decide which is the yeah. best option. And we look, we look to the client to decide. And I, and there's nothing wrong with that. I, I don't think that the one concept method is necessarily for newer designers. Sure. Um, and so it's, it does take a certain amount of confidence in your skills and your ability to solve the client's problem to um, be able to make that decision. So once you feel that you're able to do that, then it's time to transition to that method. If you feel like it's right for you. But as far as clients go, I, I definitely talk about it a lot um, in social media. So they, they usually come to me knowing that I use this process. And then um, I, I talk about it on a sales call. And then I also talk about it in the proposal as well as the contract. And we frame it by saying, you know, um, you're coming to us as a creative expert and for our creative expertise and opinion. And um, we're going to try every possible design variation behind the scenes. And then we're going to decide which we feel is best for you and your business. And then we're going to present that as a complete concept. And they're aware of that like from the beginning. So they're never surprised that they get just one concept. And it's not ever just like a single logo on a white background. It's um, a full suite developed and they are allowed to have feedback and input um, and they're allowed edits if needed. But the nice thing about the process that I've refined and kind of used over time is that revisions are often like zero, which is so wild. But I know, um, right? They do happen. They do happen, which is fine. But um, it has like significantly cut down on revisions. It's it's amazing. I feel like oh I my used gosh, to just right? Like, and that was the endless. worst part is because no matter what, if you give someone, it, it goes back to sales psychology, right? If you give someone 40 options, they're going to start to Frankenstein their own solution together. So it's yeah. better to give them one super, super solid option because then what they're looking for also should have been communicated in that discovery process. And I feel like I, I say this to potential clients a lot is like, by the time you're seeing your brand presentation, you shouldn't actually should not be surprised. Like yes, It should absolutely. be pretty clear, like, because you've signed mm-hmm. off on the visual direction. We've had the discovery call. We've had the brand questionnaire. We've talked endlessly about this project that really, by the time you see the presentation, it's just crystallizing everything that we've already discussed. It sounds, you're nodding along. It sounds like that's similar to you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's like a crucial step um, in the process is, well, we have like a strategy or discovery session and then a creative direction that's kind of rooted in that strategy. And it's essential that they see that and approve it so that when the design comes, it's like you said, it's not a surprise. It's kind of just okay, yeah, that makes sense. This is what I yep. like, you know, maybe a small tweak here or there. And then we'll go from there. And that's and that's like majority of the projects. I do occasionally, because people always say like, well, what happens if they do want changes? Mm-hmm. Like that's a pretty frequently asked question. And it's fine. Like you get, they yeah. get three rounds of revisions. A round is as many changes as they would like to see given to me at one time. And I have had people kind of like totally be like, you know what? 
I, my bad, I was wrong. Uh-huh. <laughs> now that I see it, uh-huh. um, I kind of want to see it a little bit differently and that's fine. Like, so sometimes we do end up a little bit differently than where I, than where um, we started, but it's still within those rounds of revisions. And I don't ever feel like I'm going out of scope or Same. being taken advantage of as far as the like amount of designs that we're, that we're putting together. So it's really just been life-changing. Totally. <laughs> so that's why I always talk about it. Cause it's like, I want every designer, if they feel burnt out by creating too many uh, options, if they feel burnt out by endless revisions, then like it's time to start thinking about using this method. Same, same. And I feel like because now I have a clear process where there's clear deliverables and there's a clear start and stop and they're onboarded in that way, it actually makes me feel more free to come up with better ideas mm-hmm. instead of yeah. having to interpret feedback from a client and then spit out, like try to read their mind all the time. Like I think now, because I know that like, okay, on Wednesdays is when I design logos and we have two weeks between the the brand questionnaire all the way through to the logo presentation. So I can really actually chew on the idea. And it's this thing with creatives where like our brains are never truly off. Like if I'm grocery shopping, I'm still thinking about the logo that I'm going to oh, do yeah. on Wednesday. Right. So it's, it's kind of that, but that's the beauty of it. Right. It's like finding discipline within the freedom of being able to like actually sink your teeth into it and get into the nitty gritty. But, but because you have kind of the bumpers up on the bowling lane, you're not, you don't feel like it's unpredictable. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you yeah. get, do you get what I'm saying? I'm using a lot of Absolutely. like abstract yeah. analogies like I usually do, but no, I feel the same way. I do feel that my creativity has grown. Yeah. Since using this method, I've been able to explore like paths that I don't necessarily think I would have gone down had I been right. constrained to like, what the client wanted. I have found also that as I've started to position myself as like, I like to call it a creative expert um, who uses this method. People seek me out like specifically for that. They're like, okay, this, this, I don't want to see three options. I want somebody to walk me through it and help me decide and come up with the best option instead of me like micromanaging and like standing over my shoulder and design basically like you have your hand moving the mouse. mouse. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Um, And so I have found that people want to work with me specifically because I use this method. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's super nice. And I, I feel similarly, like it's really, it's cool to have someone come to you because they've been able to see what you can accomplish for someone else as well. And I think that's why it's so important for people to share their work online. Like, I think there's a lot of, again, like newbie designers that just want to share resources or here's an illustrator hack or here's this, which are all great. Like those are all helpful, but that's not positioning you as solving the problem for the client necessarily. Do you see this a lot? Yeah, I do. Um, And I definitely did the same thing too. I think it's like, like I said, like with my blog, it was almost like a way of like me teaching myself. Like I would discover these things like, okay, great. Like this is how you set up Google My Business. I'm going to make a blog post about that. Same. Here's how how I made a Gmail signature. Yeah. (laughs) That kind of stuff. Um, yeah, which is great. Cause like, you know, you just gotta get content out there, but that's not necessarily what you want to be known for, but yeah. So I definitely did that in the beginning or I do see designers do that now where I think there needs to be more of a mix between like showing the end product and, and, but you know, perhaps too, it's the case of like, if you're really new, you might not have like an end product to show, 
And so in that case, I always tell people to just make it up. Like I have, I have this like super old book of like prompts basically. Mm -hmm. Um, and now I, there's tons of like online creative brief stuff that you can do, um, you know, like take one of those and like make a post about your process with that. Like I have found that I get the most client inquiries through the content of me showing the process of my brand identity or website creation. Um, Cause people are like, Oh, like that's what it's, that's what it is. That's what I need, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, instead of being like three things that your website needs, like uh-huh. there, you know, they, their website needs that. And they're, they're too busy to like DIY it themselves um, and take care of it. They're looking for somebody to, to do it for them. So show them that result um, and let them know like why they should work with you. Is there a part of the design process that you like better than the other parts? Like I love the time where I can sit down and start actually like going on TikTok live because this is what this is part of my process and Mm -hmm. committing to like having three to four hour brain dump. Here's everything that I've got for this project so far, like pulling it into the presentation. Also, mock-ups are the best. I love making mock-ups. Do you have something that you love versus something that you dislike in that process? I dislike... (laughs) It's probably really bad. I dislike the strategy. I just like, I just like writing. I'm just not like a writer. Yes. Yes. And as a designer, it's so baked into what we do though. Yeah. And being and like, and I believe in it. It's so important. And like everything that I design needs to have, um, that foundation and like be rooted in that strategy, but it's hard for me to like put it into words and that's just mm-hmm. my brain and how it works. I've actually been thinking about how we can, how I could maybe use like chat GPT to like get me prompts and then I can edit from there. I haven't quite explored it yet, but I think I might start doing that. Oh, it's um, the best. I'm obsessed with chat GPT. <laughs> yeah. And then oh my so gosh. I don't love like creating that strategy document. I do like putting the creative direction together, which is at the end of that document. So like from creative direction to um, creating, like I love creating custom logo types. Like that is like my absolute like favorite thing to do. So creative direction to creating the logo type is like my favorite part. And then mock-ups, um, it depends. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes they're tedious. Sometimes they are. Sometimes yeah. they're super tedious. And sometimes they like they end up becoming this just mammoth of the thing. Cause you're like, how far do I want to go into this? Like, okay. Yeah. yeah they probably are going to need a magazine at some point, but am I really going to mock up like 18 pages? <laughs> like, uh-huh. Really? Yeah. Like, am yeah. I going to use lorem ipsum or am I going to write like a dummy paragraph, which this is where chat GPT could help you. And the best trick with chat GPT is you can use it to brainstorm. Mm. So you can say like, like for my brand photo video shoot, I was going to do an interview segment and I basically said like, can you help me come up with a three minute script that describes why our clients like to work with us and ask me one question at a time. And so if you say that, that one liner into chat GPT, it will give you like brainstorm questions. Like who are you trying to target? And then you tell it and it's like, well, what are their biggest problems? And then you're like, you tell it that. And then I ended up giving it like five of our best client testimonials. And it like collated all the information from the testimonials of like the reasons why the clients actually like to work with us, which of course is the creativity and design, but actually it's our process and our organization was what they were most impressed by and why they would want to keep coming back, which it kind of goes against like what I would assume is why people want to work with us. But it is interesting. It's a fabulous tool. It's a fabulous tool. Awesome. Yeah. I'm going to start utilizing it. I think I saw... 
I follow this woman on Instagram and she's going to do, I signed up for her wait list to do her course on it because nice. God, lo- God knows I love a course. So, oh my gosh, wait, send <laughs> sign it up to for me. another one. <laughs> I will. I need to interview like a chat GPT AI expert for the pod. Like I yeah. definitely need someone on here who can tell me like, these are the capabilities. This is what's coming down the pipeline. Um, because I'm a big, uh, I like to embrace new technology, especially mm-hmm. new platforms. Yeah. Are you an early adopter to platforms or are you kind of a, let me see how that goes first? It kind of depends. I try to think that I am. I don't have a ton of time. So sometimes yeah. I'm like, I, lo- I love a good bandwagon, but at the same time, I'm like, ooh, do I want to really put my my energy into this? Um, I think it's essential for entrepreneurs and everybody in general, really, to just like stay on top of things as far as technology and how to utilize them in your business and your life, because otherwise like you're going to get left behind, like things are going to evolve whether you like it or not. And you got to stay up to date on it. Um, yeah. and like chat GPT is coming. Like it's not, I don't think it's coming to take over our, our jobs, but like it's going to make our lives easier and we might as well learn how to utilize it so that exactly um, we don't get left behind. So there was some interesting sentiment about it in my Facebook group because I had posted about how I can actually download the transcripts from these podcasts and give it to ChatGPT and ChatGPT can read them and generate blog posts out of them. Love it. That are like subject related. So can you create yeah. a thousand word blog post with five different talking points? And then I can use that as a script for a TikTok or something else or use it as a caption. Like there's just a lot of capabilities. And I'd posted this in the Facebook group and somebody said like, oh, this makes me sick to my stomach. There goes my job as copywriter. Mm. And I'm like, yes, but no. I said, mm-hmm. like, you're getting your time back. Like, if you can yeah. leverage this as a tool, and I talked about this on the last interview with, with Amber, it's like, calculators didn't put accountants out of business. Like, it's a it's yeah, a tool. Exactly. So so yeah. she goes, okay, I guess I just have to find the clients that don't know what chat GPT is. And I said, no, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. <laughs> like, you need to be as transparent as possible. You say, hey, yeah. I'm going to leverage this tool. And instead of just generating one blog post for you in an hour, I'm going to have a blog post, 10 tweets, three different calls to action, an entire email blast, and, and 12 social media captions for you. Yeah, And that's exactly. so worth it to the client. So it's like, we mm-hmm. have to remember, like, who is the person that you're trying to serve? And how do you use the tools in your back pocket to your advantage, but be transparent about it? Like, I think that the transparency is really key. What do you think about all that stuff? Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Um, And I know I even told my VA the other day, I was like, we were talking about just projects coming up. And I was like, you know, if because she writes a lot of my content now. Um, and I was like, use chat GPT, like by all means, like go for it, you know, like see how we can utilize it to make our lives easier. And at the same time, I think like your point is so valid. Like it's not taking away anyone's job. It's just making them that making it easier for, for people. Mm-hmm. So I agree. Yeah. Hop on, hop on it all. On. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. going to be an interesting space to watch. I think, um, I think also with TikTok, there were a lot of people that were really hesitant about TikTok when it first came out. I mean, there's still some hesitation about TikTok with all the like current news mm-hmm. happenings and legislation, which is a whole other can of worms. But I remember getting on TikTok in the early days and people saying, oh, I would never get on that platform. It's just teenagers dancing. And I was mm-hmm. like, you're missing a huge opportunity. Huge, yeah. huge. Yeah. So tell us, tell us your TikTok come up story because you found some, some success and some clients from TikTok as well. Yeah. Yeah. Tons of, uh, my biggest, uh, client source is TikTok. last year it was. Same. Um, and so 
And then also I've been able to grow like a community of fellow designers on there as well, which is probably my favorite part of it. Um, but I hopped on TikTok, I think it was 2020. It was like probably like the summertime 2020. I was just feeling like so over Instagram, feeling like I couldn't, I had been doing it since the beginning. I never could like crack the code, um, never felt cool enough. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to try TikTok. And I, I went into it being like, okay, I'm a brand designer. I know that I need to like niche myself down here. And so I think that worked to my advantage. Just like immediately I was like, okay, I'm a, um, I'm a brand and web designer. I help fellow designers with design. And I started just talking about my process right away. And uh, people were asking a lot of questions like, why you only deliver one concept? Like what's the one concept method? Um, and so that's kind of how my profile there grew was like talking about the one concept method. And then I also started talking about what I charge and like pricing for branding projects. Cause I also believe that pricing transparency is essential for designers to talk about. And so that is where I saw growth and a lot of like awareness around um, my content as well over there is talking about pricing for designers. So yeah, and it's been awesome to connect with fellow designers. And then, and then the, my process videos that I do share send a lot of leads my way. And then I've like, I've been able to do like collaborations with some bigger brands. Like I did an Adobe live because they saw me on TikTok, which was like so amazing. And, and then like some other paid collaborations with brands has been really nice too. So yeah, it's been a really interesting journey. I feel like it's changed a little bit over the past even six months. There's definitely more designers on there, which is great. Um, so you have to be a little bit even more specific about your content that you're putting out. Totally. Totally. What are kind of your favorite things? You said growing your, the designer community has definitely been one of your favorite things. I love your pricing videos because I find them fascinating. And I think it's so interesting. Um, just to like, like you said, pricing transparency is hugely important. My prices are on my website. Like I also believe in the same thing, but I'm wondering from TikTok, because the beauty of TikTok is that you get eyeballs from all over looking at your content. (laughs) And then the ugly part about TikTok is you get eyeballs from all over looking at your content. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious how you deal with some of the, I'm sure, unsolicited feedback about the pricing of branding and what branding actually costs. How do you tackle all of that in the TikTok space? Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, it's crazy. In this, in one video, I'll have people be like, you're undercharging. That's way too much, like too little. And then having to be like another comment be, I don't understand how anybody could like charge this. Like this is a crap design, blah, blah, blah. So it really, it's just like, at this point, it's just kind of noise. And I can, I decide like who to reply to or not. It did bother me. It, it did give me a little bit of anxiety in the beginning. It felt a little too vulnerable sure. um, to be sharing that. But the feedback that I did get from designers overwhelmingly was like, this is so helpful. Thank you. And ultimately I was like, you know what? That's why I'm posting it. I'm not posting it for like tech bros who think that Squarespace is the worst and like, you know, that I shouldn't be using it or charging $10,000 for a website. I'm posting it for designers that are charging $1,000 for a website and didn't know that it was possible to be able to charge more for your design or be able to like make a living as a designer. So just reminding myself, like why, who I'm posting it for. Sometimes it does feel like if you, I get it. Like if you landed on my page and you saw the first video you saw was me talking about how I charged $20,000 for a project. They'd be like, I, I too would probably be like, this girl is like a look at me girl, you know? And, uh-huh. um, 
And so I get it. I get where some of like the hate comes from, or it's not even hate. It's just like, um, misunderstanding, misconception. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I think as you dive deeper, you see that like genuinely it's from a place of wanting to help fellow designers. And I do talk a lot about like, just because this is what I charge in me and for me and my business, it doesn't mean that it's what you need to charge for yours. It really comes down to like your years of experience, your expertise, your geographical location, and then ultimately the client and the problem that you're solving for them. Absolutely. That all goes into pricing, but here's a look at a project and what I charged. And perhaps you can think about going up and down, up or down from there. And there's a difference. There's a nuance between this is what I charge for a project versus this is what me, I designer made as income. Mm-hmm. Like, I think yes, that that's, that's a huge gap that I notice in, in entrepreneurship and online entrepreneurship is there's a lot of people that lead with my agency made $800,000 this year. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> like yeah. slow down. Like that's not really painting the whole picture. Whereas here's a project that I did for a client and I charged X, Y, Z, um, because it's solved. ABC problem. Like that's a hugely different position. And I think that that's worth noting because they're, they're like, you're saying it's coming from a place of transparency. It's coming from a place of helping instead of like a boasting and like, you should follow me because I'm successful. It's like, no, you should follow me because I do quality work. That's at least been my position in the whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. And like, no matter what people are going to misunderstand and feel annoyed by you. And I, that's, yeah. Not so my problem. Like I yeah. really can't do that. <laughs> my True. therapist would be very proud of me for like just brushing that shit off. Like as a people pleaser, uh-huh. you know, it's like one bad comment used to just like spiral me. And now I just, whatever. I honestly, now I like to just be really snarky and, yeah. and annoying back to people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, cause that brings me joy, but, or just blocking people too. It's like, yep. We love a block button. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it's well, because it's biological. Like it's biological for us to take criticism harsh. Like that's, it's part of our survival. Like, of course, if someone says something that's biting or aggressive or, or demeaning, like you're going to remember it because it's your, your brain's way of reminding you that you don't like feeling like that, like, or that you don't like that kind of energy around you. Like that's, it's very, they talk about it a lot on armchair expert podcast. I don't know if you're a, a armchair I've expert. I've listened fan. to that before, but I, not recently. It's good stuff. Um, but they talk about that a lot too, about how like criticism and feedback and all of these things, like it starts to affect your self-concept when you let it get to you in that way versus yeah. versus just acknowledging that like the reason it feels icky is because it's actually like your biology kind of protecting you about not getting yourself in the situation like that again. It's very fascinating. I love listening to all yeah. that kind of stuff. I'm such a nerd for podcasts. I'm like a love of podcasts. Yeah. I've been, I do too. And I feel, I think honestly, did you ever listen to Being Boss? No. So that was like the, it was um, Kathleen Shannon and Emily M. Thompson. I discovered their podcast and that they like opened my eyes to like the whole online business world. Yeah. And so, and this was years ago when I first started and I was really, really into business podcasts and all kinds of podcasts then. How I built this, Jenna Kutcher. Yeah. All of them. All of them. I just like everything, just like online courses. I was like, give it all to me. And then I was like, yeah, I got to take a break. (laughs) So I haven't like done business podcasts in a while. I've been more like true crime, but. um, Oh, we love a true crime moment. Yeah. Being boss. I think they still have a podcast, but I would recommend that even now for people who are just starting out in the online business world. Um, great recommendation. 
for sure. Big audiobook person too. So I, yes. yeah, there's like, there's some real zingers. There's actually, um, one that I just downloaded yesterday. I haven't started yet by Rick Rubin, who's the producer of Def mm. Jam Records. And he like produced like Jay-Z, 99 Problems. He worked with BC Boys. He worked with like, and he did a whole book on creativity. Let me pull it up because Ooh. I'm going to butcher the title. But he talked about like getting yourself to creative flow and what that actually means as as a creative person and how to kind of leverage your creativity, but not force it. And so he was on literally Armchair Expert yesterday and was talking about how um, it's called The Creative Act by Rick Rubin. And it's supposed to be fabulous, but I really liked everything that he was saying so far about how when you're trying to work through a creative idea, you can't force it. You can't force it and you need to, um, you need to move your body and you need to move your being and that how the, his best idea is like, if he found himself kind of hitting his head against the wall in the studio, he'd like go for a walk, go for a swim. And it's when you finally let go of trying to force it, that the idea just, you get the download, right? Like it just yeah. comes to you. And I resonated with that so hard. Like if I'm ever trying to force something or I'm having like a terrible day, like I can't just continue to sit there and try to power through. It's I'm going to make shit work and I'm going to hate it. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm excited to dive into that book because I think um, it'll be good, but we should start a little designer book club. Oh, I love that idea. Wouldn't that be That's fun? a good idea. Yeah. I feel like you've got sources that I don't know and I maybe have some yeah. things you don't know and that could be cool. I would love that. I know I I'm in a book club with my, um, girlfriends and it's like, so fun. <laughs> I never yeah. thought that I would, um, right? have so much fun. Welcome to your late thirties. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> it's really fun and I do audible. And so I, um, yeah. listen to them all and then yeah, go for my walks. And I, since I've been doing that, I definitely feel weight off my shoulders throughout the day where I'm like, okay, I'm going to get through this so I can go for my walk and then yeah. I'm going to get back and feel energized and like continue yep. where I used to just like grind it out, you know, but, um, yeah. And I think that's, that resonates with me also that what he says about creativity. So, yeah. And you got two kiddos, right? Yeah. So you get to go spend time with them. Yes. <laughs> that's <laughs> fun. I know. Well, that's, I think that's part of me always um, feeling like I have to like sit down and just like get all my work done sure. in one, one time because I have only ever had like these blocks of time to get it done. And for me, it's like good and bad. Like it's nice to have like dedicated time, but it can lead to overwhelm feeling like, Oh, I didn't get this done today. And now like, there's not really any chance because by eight o'clock tonight, I'm going to be totally fried. I'm not going to sit down and design anything. I guess I'll have to get it done tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, but, but at the same time, it does pull me away from my computer and allows me to not work 12 hours straight. Oh yes. So. That's me and my dog. I mean, he has to go for a walk for an hour every day. So if yeah. he doesn't, I'm going to be paying for it by 5 PM. So, um, yeah, I it's it, but it is one of those things where it's like now it's blocked in my calendar. Like I can't take a client mm-hmm. call during that time. I'm not going to not do it because it, it has to, and it's helped my mental health probably in more ways than I give it credit for of like, just get out there, walk, listen to something, learn something, get some fresh air and then come back and, and attack it. You know, it's really, really helpful. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, you have two very cool things going on. So you have Savvy Series and you have Brand Process Happy. Tell us everything, who it's for, what it's all about, how people can learn more information, because I think they're going to want to by the end of this. Yeah. So um, Brand Process Savvy is my signature course for freelancers who are wanting to move more towards being creative experts with their branding process. Um, and so we cover pricing, the one concept method, and then just the general process for 
what I carry my clients through with the branding process. Um, and so that is a, you know, self-paced course that you can go through and enrollment is right now it's evergreen, but I think I'm about to close it and do a little couple updates to the course okay. and then um, relaunch it in the summer. So stay tuned for that. And then Savvy Series is more for newer to freelance designers who are just started getting started with finding clients and setting up kind of their systems and processes and learning about the different pricing structures. Um, and so as far as pricing goes, that one is a little bit more attainable. And then um, Brand Process Savvy, like I said, it's like my signature course. So yeah. yeah, and people can find them both on my website, sign up for wait lists and there's some freebies to download there too. In the meantime, if they're not open for enrollment when they do land on the site. So so as a course lover, how fun was it creating your own course? It was fun, actually. I actually really enjoy it, um, surprisingly, as much as I hate writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. It just kind of flows out. And then um, and then creating the slides, Like I, I actually really, really like it. And if I could transition to just do that, I would probably be pretty stoked. So yeah, yeah. nice, nice. Yeah. You feel the same way? Yeah, I I have. That's kind of how I've treated this podcast. Um, is the podcast is kind of my way, same thing of like this is my way of talking about things that I think are interesting with a fellow creatives. And then I was running during the pandemic some some portfolio challenges, the Kiss My Portfolio Challenge, which was really fun. I haven't. I don't know that I have the attention span to sit down and create an entire course, which has been, <laughs> which is my hold back on it. And my biggest fear is that you make a whole course, then the information is outdated. Yeah. So you got to, it is, does take upkeep well, unless you are yeah. te- teaching like you are, which is like, mm-hmm. you're teaching really yes. the tenants of creating a design agency and a design business, which I think mm-hmm. are pretty, probably pretty timeless topics. But yeah, it's, I always look at it as this mammoth, this would be this mammoth undertaking, but if you love it and you enjoy it, like more power to you. Yeah. And you can, there's different formats that you can do too. Like, so Savvy Series is um, a live series. So that's oh, okay. not necessarily that you sit down and do like a self-paced course. Cause I have been experimenting with that more too. Like as a course junkie, I have so many unfinished courses yeah. that I haven't done. And um, I've been taking more like live workshops recently mm. or like, um, like little mini masterminds or um, just like courses where you they're not really even courses. Like you just show up and it's like an hour long workshop and then you're done. You don't have to do any homework. Like you can listen and work. And I've really enjoyed that because it takes the pressure off of feeling like I didn't complete something. Yes. And so I've been enjoying this savvy series, um, workshop because it's just like three live series, three live workshops in a series. And, um, it's been nice too. And I'll be able to update it each time. So nice. Yeah. There's different formats you can do Yeah, depending on what works for you. And brand process savvy, just for the people that are listening, you say self-paced about how long, like what's the full duration of that course? Would you say? I think it's like eight modules. Like it's pretty long. It's pretty meaty. And there's a lot of like templates that you get with it as well. So like project proposal template, creative direction, brand strategy, basically everything I use, like brand style guide, brand presentation, um, and then like all of the swipe copy that I use in my, basically you just can copy my whole process yeah. <laughs> and adapt it for your own. Right. <laughs> so it's pretty meaty and be- because it's not something that, you know, it's like 10 years of my uh, expertise in one course. So it's ideally it's something that people can come back to as they, um, develop their process and learn. But I would say you could probably get through it in a couple of weeks if you really sat down and 
and tried. So it'd be a really fun, like, like summer school project for somebody. Mm-hmm. Like if you're yeah, a recent absolutely. grad and you're thinking you want to do what we do and, and sit down and kind of do get the whole download, that seems like a really good yep. opportunity. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Yep. One question that we're asking everyone on the podcast this year, and really because we started recording the beginning of the year, and I think everyone on TikTok was doing this trend is like something you'd like to take with you and something you'd like to leave behind. So what's like an energy or a vibe or a habit that you are looking forward to embracing more of? And what's something that you could be happy to never see again? <laughs> Let me do the second part first. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I want to leave, leave behind uh-huh. is what I feel like are expectations of that other people have of me. Mm-hmm. Um, because ultimately those don't really matter mm-hmm. other than like my very close loved ones. So leaving behind what I feel like I should be doing and what's expected of me and then moving towards what I actually really want to be doing and what feels right. And whether that's traveling more, working more, or taking the afternoon off, leaning in towards what, like what feels good for me instead of what I feel like I should be doing. Ooh, I love those answers. Do you have any good travel plans? Um, yeah, we're going to New Zealand and Fiji and, um, in June. Yeah. So I actually, yeah, I didn't leave. I didn't talk about this part, but I actually grew up in New Zealand. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I lived there from like eight years old to 18 Wow. and my parents still live there. So we're going to go home and visit them. And then I have a very dear friend that lives in Fiji. And so we're going to go see her too. Oh my so, gosh. That sounds that, amazing. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Yeah. Well, where can everyone find you, follow you, hopefully see pictures and everything from your New Zealand and your Fiji trip? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> plug, <laughs> plug it, plug it girl. I know. So yeah, studioseaside.com for, um, for clients and designers, uh, to get everything info for courses and services and then at studio.seaside on all social to find me. So mainly Instagram and TikTok is where I hang out. Yeah. So say hi, shoot me a DM. I'd love to say hi to fellow designers. Oh yeah. Let me know if you have any questions. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Well, thanks so much for your time and thanks everybody for listening. We'll catch you later. Bye. Thanks for joining us for the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. Don't forget to follow along and leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. We'll see you in the Kiss My Aesthetic Facebook group for years and years of behind the scenes content and over 5,000 connections with fellow creatives. For show notes from today's episode, please visit mkwcreative.co slash podcast. This episode was edited by Berta Wired and theme music comes from Eliza Vera and Nathan Menard. Catch you next time.